0: Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the double-edged double bill. This week Stan Helsing has top secret info about spoofs. Week Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the wrangling, selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then both will have to pick number between one and ten in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Thomas Mariani, just plainly here, just saying my name, and now I'm going to be crushed by a cow. Oh no! And I am Adam Thomason. Shirley, I am serious. Oh, I'm glad you could admit that to Shirley. Yeah, good lady. Our behind-the-scenes producer, who we've had yep. this entire time, who we've never mentioned before, surely.
1: Yep, she's also a part-time waitress at the local truck stop diner. Great lady. Oh, Has look, pineapple earrings. Wonderful.
0: Look, look, I would love it if Leslie Nielsen and Drag was our producer this whole time. Oh. <laughs> we, we would love that for sure. But welcome, everybody, to the double Edge Double Bill, in which uh, every week Adam and I cover a good and a bad feature related uh, to a topic... Uh, that we feel is, you know, uh, usually uh, related to something that recently came out. And we're doing spoofs, which is part of our Revember series, because we've done spoofs before previously, uh, way back in 2018, where we covered Fatal Instinct and uh, Austin Powers and Goldmember. And
1: I... not a great episode. Uh, Especially for you. Um, I, I like one of those movies, and I really detest the other, so...
0: I don't know, I thought that was, I re-listened to that episode recently, I think it's a fun one, especially uh, your wife was on the show, who has been uh, a couple of times. Don't remind me. <laughs> ball and chain, am I right? The, the jokes everyone loves, just like, ball and chain wife, am mm-hmm. I right, fellas? Take her, please. Hey! Perfect, not at all dated, and awful material. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we are returning to the world of spoofs because Weird, the Al Yankovic story, recently came out on the Roku channel. Uh, for free, anybody can watch it. I watched it uh, a couple days ago, and I thought it was fun. Like, it's, it's a very appropriate Weird Al biopic for all of its inaccuracies and appropriate stupidity.
1: We are going to watch that as a family tomorrow. I'm excited.
0: Hmm, that'll be interesting. Um, it's, I would say it's like PG-13 fair. Yeah, so well, Lily's not going to watch it. She's going to walk away. There's <laughs> no right. question. Spoofs is a genre, uh, when well, we did our initial episode, unless you said it as much, Adam, it's one of your favorites, right?
1: Yeah, I love a good spoof movie, man. I love a good send-up. Some of my favorite movies are spoofs, but I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite, one of my favorite sub-genres, because there's a lot of bad. But when it's good, it's great. I mean, you know, think of like the first Naked Gun movie, maybe even part two, part three, nah, not so much. But like, the Hot Shots and... You know, the Mel Brooks movies and Airplane, I mean, some of them are just Fucking
0: classics of comedy. Yeah, it's interesting because I did revisit a bunch of those spoof movies that I hadn't watched in quite a while, like Airplane and The Naked Guns and stuff like that. Uh, appropriate, given one of our features is it belongs to that sort of uh, the Zucker Abram Zucker school of spoofing. Which I guess that's that's the thing is like the evolution of the spoof genre pretty much has like you know obviously go back into comedy and see like specific parodies of like movies and music and stuff like that. But in terms of film, like the spoof as a genre. Really kind of kicked off with, like, Mel Brooks, especially with, like, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein in the 70s. And then going from there for, like, specific genre spoof type stuff, you get The Zuckers with, like, Airplane and the Naked Gun stuff. And I think that's the thing is that those movies in particular with The Zuckers put such a huge, massive, indelible stamp on the spoof genre that most of the spoofs that happen, particularly in the 90s, are just trying to chase those coattails. And uh, most of them are very bad, aside from, like, I would say the Hot Shots, uh, particularly Part 2, I would say. Yeah, like, uh, a, In the 90s, there's, it's a mostly a lot of just like, oh, guys, you don't get it. And what do you think they don't get that, you know, the Zuckers in particular and some of the other spoof people really got about a good spoof?
1: What tends to happen, especially a lot if you go with, like, the though I, I can't remember their names and that's probably for the best, but like the date movies and superhero movies and...
0: The Friedrich Seltzer oeuvre.
1: Those fucking yes. guys. Um, I think what it is is it, it becomes more like a, hey, you remember this so it's funny, right? And there's not really any joke there or any care put involved in, into it. It's just, hey, remember this from this? and ah, now it's in this so it's funny, right? And it just, that doesn't work. There needs to be A thorough line of joke. The the, the best spoof movies have a story, have a plot. It's just a lot of stupid shit happens along the way. But there's still a thorough line. There's a a beginning, middle, and end of a story. Whereas those ones that came out in the late 90s and, like I said, the ones I referenced. Reference, 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 reference. There's no story. It's just dumb shit. And that's not funny that's that's not smart it's just lowest common denominator humor fart joke done by the chick from enchanted you know and you're like oh oh, 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 yeah go great like it's so stupid it just it never works
0: yeah mel brooks has this great quote about um in terms of parody where he says uh you have to love what you're parodying for it to work. And I think that's exactly why the best of those spoofs of his or the Zuckruiser and the other ones that have come before or since them, like the best ones tend to be ones where it's like, Oh, this is somebody who appreciates the genre or the film. They're specifically parodying or even like weird Al himself. Like that's part of the interesting things that you can tell, especially with like the style parodies, which are my favorites, where it's not a specific parody of like a specific song as much as like the parody of like, Oh, I get what this entire like artists work sounds like. So I'm going to do a style like dare to be stupid with Devo shit like that. Like that stuff works. So well, because a person really appreciates and respects what they're making fun of versus when you get to like around the time, like those uh, Friedberg Seltzer movies, they were literally parodying movies that they had seen trailers for. So they could come out with a movie like within, I don't know, a month or two after the movie actually came out. So thus, it's just like, it it feels so much more crass. Oh, it's vaguely popular, we know it's going to come out, so let's just have the the lowest bottom-of-the-barrel reference, unless that's funny. And that's why I think a lot of the spoof movies end up really going the way of the dodo after, like, YouTube became a thing. Because then, where it's like, oh, we can make a parody of something within hours after it came out and put it up there for everybody to see, uh, going to a theater to see that shit seemed uh, pretty fucking stupid, and people stopped going.
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, when, what's the last huge spoof movie you can think of that was theatrical, other than those uh, Friedberg-Seltridge ones that made
0: no money? Uh, well, I mean, they made money up they until point like, this, They made it disa- enough. Right, Disaster Movie was, like, I think the last one to where, like, it kind of made some amount of money, but then kind of petered out. And then they did, like, Vampire Suck, I believe in some of those yeah. other Yeah
1: like meet the spartans and you know all that garbage it, it's just i i agree with you the thing is he would take which is to me unjustly considered one of mel brooks lowest rated spoofs dracula Dead loving it which i'm a huge fan of by the way but i'll take that over any of those free seltzers one because it, you hit it on the head you could tell mel brooks appreciates the dracula story and he really is into telling a funny story with, with set in that universe. And plus, he's got Leslie Nielsen, who's still, like, you know, capable and cares, and it works. It's just, it, yeah, the appreciation from the source material is paramount. And if you don't have that, like you said, I, man, that's a really good way to put it. I didn't even think about that. But it does feel like in those Friedberg and Salisbury movies, they just watched the trailers, got the big tag lines, and then just repeated them in their movies. And that's about the best you got.
0: Yeah, like, Disaster Movie came out the, like, at the end of August of the same summer where, like, Iron Man and all those other movies had come out already. (laughs) Like, that's how very crass and quick a turnaround they had with that. And I think also, like, with the, you mentioned Leslie Nielsen of it all, the genius of casting him in Airplane and then the other movies is, like, they managed to make his super serious character actor facade he had had, like, throughout, like, the 50s and 60s and 70s and turn that into the perfect delivery system for jokes like the the reason a star was made when in an airplane that one lady goes up just like is anybody here a doctor are you a doctor sir and just listen he seriously saying yes i am well he has a stethoscope <laughs> around his fucking head It's like, no shit, of course he's a doctor. But like that's that's what makes it so crazy. Like he's super sincere about this while he's wearing a dumb prop. Like that's that's part of the joke as opposed to in those later Leslie Nielsen ones that came out in the nineties, he's mugging like crazy. There are so many fucking bits where it's just like, oh, look, Leslie, make a weird face. Do this. It's like, no, that's not the joke. The joke is that he has a very stern, serious face. So then when he does something stupid, it's fucking hysterical. And the same thing with like Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, all those great character actors who they would have, have like weird resurgences because they spoof movies. It works because they're super serious and it makes the stupid shit all the funnier.
1: Doctor, we have to get these people to a hospital. A hospital, what is it? a big building with lots of windows and patients, but that's not important <laughs> like
0: it's <laughs> so <laughs> stupid
1: but he's taking it so dead ass serious that's what made Leslie Nielsen one of the best back in the day and of course Robert Stack in that movie just that when he's going through the airport and he's fighting all the Hare Krishnas and everybody else like it's like an action scene uh but no that I agree with you that's what made those the best where people t- treated it like it was dead serious and that's always makes for good comedy. That's why I like Fatal Instinct so much because Armando Santi is treating that material deadly serious, he's super funny in it, it. You lose all that when it just becomes, like I said, fart joke or someone getting crushed by something, or you know, it just it doesn't work.
0: No, and I guess that's why we should finally get to our two movies for the evening because I, I think both of them exemplify how to do that and how not to do that. For sure, uh, as we have uh, your bad pick, which we uh, got at the end of our last episode, which was Stan Helsing. Um, and then my good pick, which is was chosen, uh, one of my choices, but also was voted on by our patrons, patreon.com slash uh More on that later. Um, and we ended up with Top Secret, one of the Zucker Abram Zucker movies. But uh, let's, uh, let's pull the Band-Aid off, Adam, and let's get to our first feature here, oh. Stan Helsing. And legend has it that Van Helsing
1: can save us from
0: this curse. Van Helsing! Van Helsing! Did you say Van Helsing? No, I didn't say Van Helsing. I said Stan Helsing. I work at a video store. Yeah, we carry porn. Schindler's Fist. How Stella got her two pack. Six degrees of penetration. You're welcome, Grandma. <laughs>
1: <laughs> On Halloween night, <laughs> the six biggest movie monsters of all time will finally meet their match. Are you kidding me? Listen.
0: You guys hear that?
1: (laughs) Evil has a new name to fear. Stan Helsing.
0: Stan! Stan, are you okay?
1: Are you wearing any underwear?
0: Yep, he's fine.
1: Oh. Freak. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's so bad. We, we, we have to do this, Adam. <laughs> oh, we have to do this. Discuss this a bit further. So Stan Helsing uh, came out October 23rd, 2009. It's directed and written by Bo Zanga, um, who... This is his only feature film, uh, though he does have a co-writing credit on Soul Plane? Uh, with, with a great comedy classic.
1: Yep. That sounds about right.
0: Yeah. Um, and basically, if you couldn't tell from the title, this is a horror spoof. Uh, where... The, the vaguest possible plot synopsis that I can give you um, is that the titular character Stan, uh, played by Steve Howie, works at a video store and is tasked by his manager to be like, hey, before you go out to your big Halloween party tonight, you need to take these videos over to the boss's mom's place. And so he, along with uh, his uh, compatriots who are about to go to the party, uh, which include Nadine, played by Dior Baird, uh, Teddy, played by Kenan Thompson. And uh, Mia, played by Desi Liddick, um, go on this wacky adventure in which uh, they basically encounter a bunch of super spooky horror movie spoof characters uh, that are maybe a bit familiar. I don't know. They're very subtle about who they're parodying uh, with these various monsters that show up. Um, and uh, yeah, some other people show up, including, uh, we mentioned him earlier, but Mr. Leslie Nielsen, uh, this is one of his last movies before his death. And, uh,
1: yeah. 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 I'm not convinced that Stan Helsing wasn't the cause at this point. <laughs> um, this movie's fucking terrible. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I, I get it. You jest cause it's a spoof episode. Uh, the, there is no subtlety in this movie. This, this movie is the horror version of those disaster and date movies. hundred percent.
0: Which is ironic given there had been four scary movies prior to this. Uh huh.
1: And I'll take any of those except for maybe part five over this. But, um, this is just dick joke, tit joke, poor character reference. Repeat, rinse, repeat. And that's it. It's fucking terrible. And the thing is about Steve Howie, like, I know he's from like shameless, I think too. Right.
0: Um, I, I recognize him from like a, a couple of things. He was recently in day shift. The, uh, right. Uh, the vampire Jamie Fox movie, which he was, was great.
1: He was the best. He, him and uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name, but the martial artist guy, uh, whatever. They were the best in it. Um, but he's also in, like, he was from, like, the Reba McIntyre show.
0: Right. And by the way, Scott Adkins is who you're referring to.
1: Yeah, that guy's off. But there's a lot of weed jokes, too, because, <laughs> hey, funny. You can tell it's read by people who have never smoked a fucking pot in their life. Let's make them all talk super slow, because that's what happens to you. Like, No. No. Oh, what a bummer this movie is. Like, it's so bad. And the thing is, holy fuck, man. I mean, let's put it like this. Did you laugh once?
0: Um, I would say I did laugh a couple times. Uh, mostly really? at one particular character, um, who I'll get into in a bit. Um, and it's not because I think the writing, but I think the actress did a really good job. Oh, because I did not laugh once. I, I would say, like, laugh is maybe being a bit generous as so someone just kind of chuckled <laughs> a couple times. Um, but I'll just say it right now. Um, it's uh, Desi Lydic as Mia. Uh, who was kind of like the bimbo character? I think on paper right. there's so much like awful, shitty, like miracle like oh blonde jokes that they give her to do. Yeah, yeah. But I think she commits to them pretty well. Particularly there's a bit where like oh my god I'm gonna die in a slutty nurse dress. No, you're not gonna die in a slutty nurse dress. Oh great, cause I had a different outfit. I really liked it. I wanted to put it on. <laughs> like she, like like her delivery. I think she's been in a couple other like of these comedy movies, and I would say like not another teen movie, it was another spoof movie and such. And I think um uh, she does as much as she can. I think. I don't think any of these actors are, like, terrible, necessarily. I feel bad for them, if nothing else, because it's just like, you're trying. It's just not working. <laughs> I'm so sorry for Oh, yeah, people. no,
1: our, our main four, none of them are, like, unwatchably bad. It's the material that they're given is just, oof, bottom of the barrel. But they are trying. They are definitely trying.
0: Right, I mean, like, look, fucking Keenan Thompson, obviously. Like, this is mm-hmm. early in his SNL career, and it's so surreal seeing him in the superhero outfit Having grown up with all that, where he played a character called Super Dude, who was a right. much better parody of fucking like a genre from like a kid show in the nineties versus this piece of shit.
1: You know, the thing is, everybody in this is so thinly written character wise. Obviously, you got Stan Helsing, who's the stoner guy who's super horny, and you got Keenan Thompson, who's the they constantly call him chubby and fat, who's super horny, and then you got. Diora Baird, who's got big boobs, and we're going to reference that constantly, and they got the blonde who's dumb and doesn't wear panties a lot, like, okay, we, like, you got it. It's the lowest hanging fruit, and they go back to it so many times, so many fucking times, where within the first half hour, you've probably seen every joke they're going to do, it's just they keep retelling it just with a little bit of a twist each time, but nothing changes.
0: The thing is, like, I'm not necessarily opposed to this. Like, we mentioned Scary Movie, obviously, which those movies, uh-huh. shockingly, don't hold up extremely well. I know you're all very surprised by this fact. That's No, but there's still some funny bits to them, though. Right. That's the thing is that I would say particularly the first three, I think, have enough funny bits to make them kind of watchable. And I think it's because you have really committed performers who they at least give the space to do weird things like
1: Anna Faris. Oh, dude, Anna Faris in the first three is is some of the best, like, sort of slapsticky spoof acting in a long time.
0: Or Also, of course, Regina Hall, who's amazing. Like, the whole bit in Scary Movie 2 with, like, the skeleton that she's... Just... <laughs> Cindy, that's a skeleton! <laughs> it's so funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so good. I'm gonna fart on these walls. <laughs> so fucking good but the thing is it's it's granted there is a lot of things in those movies that don't hold up but there's still a certain level of charm to them there's still really funny bits that happen here and there like the whole chris elliott stuff is really funny it's gross yeah Yeah, he's great but then it's like with stan helsing you could tell they're trying to have certain characters like that like with the um gas station attendants or the altar boy or something like that where they really want you to have these like memorable like silly characters you forget them the second they're off the screen like here's the thing i watched this two nights ago maybe three and i'm really struggling
0: even putting the movie in sequential order yeah, I, I watched this 12 hours ago, and I'm having a similar problem <laughs> at the same Because, yeah, that's the thing, is that this obviously, like, they want to have the thing, like, in Scary Movie or any of the Zuckers things, so where it's like, joke after joke after joke. But the problem is, so many of the jokes are, like, belabored. Like, the fun of a lot of those spoof movies is allowing the performer to kind of, like, sit in a moment and have like a weird like oh this is like a bizarre thing that's going on here or treating the moment seriously any moment anything like that that would make it a bit funnier than just like whatever is written on the page as opposed to this feels definitely like we gotta like get this going gotta keep this like put out as quickly and cheaply as possible so there's no real like interest in like actually kind of like sitting in the joke in a way that a good comedy would, as opposed to like, nope, we got to do this rapid fire. But at the same time, it's like getting from one belabor joke to the next, as opposed to one joke, one joke, one joke. It's just like, we got to get to each comedic set piece as quickly as possible. And also, like you mentioned, it's so obsessed with like, sort of that like late 2000s era, kind of like crassness where so much of this is like, attempting to be as far as it can go into being titillating without going into softcore porn. With particular, like, all the stuff with the Dracula Bride stripping and shit like that. So this feels, like, yep. so skeevy in the way of, like, a late 2000s comedy would.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's gross. Diora Baird, the only point of her character is to have cleavage in this movie. They shine yeah. lights on it. People are constantly grabbing her chest. Everything like that. And it's just, I get it in a way, but at the same time, like, one or two times, okay, I get it. You know, you're pointing out basically the obvious with what she's wearing and things like that but when you're just constantly going back to that in this type of movie it just feels lazy at that point
0: there's an egregious shot in particular where baird and Lydic are just like in a two shot and there's a windblower joke where like oh their skirts are being blown up only so we can have like the ultra boy get blown away and he's wearing like ladies lingerie isn't that in the funny didn't you laugh at that (laughs) oh man i forgot about that just like the rest
1: of the movie. <laughs> it's dumb. It's stupid. You've seen it. That's the thing. There's no joke in this that you haven't really seen before.
0: I mean, it, it's it's not even just that we're like obviously humor and this is, it's hard to like get extremely creative jokes out of every new like fucking movie or whatever. But it's like even if you're going to repeat a joke, that's fine if you can have some new spin on it or some interesting version. Of what's being put out there, as opposed to like with the, the horror movie parody characters, we should mention, you've got the parody of Chucky called Lucky. Great. Um, you've got the parody of Jason Voorhees called Mason, played by Ken Kersinger, who had played Jason previously in Freddy vs. Jason. And speaking of Freddy, we've got the Freddy parody, which the, the, the most clever joke possible they could have of calling him Freddy, with a W. I mean, that's, that's just genius, Adam. I don't know about you, but that's like that's like true comedy.
1: Comedy gold. Like it was written yep. by Dane Cook himself.
0: Yep, and of course, also Michael Criers, Pleatherface, Needlehead. I'm sure you can't even spot, because there's such clever revisions mm-hmm. of classic horror characters, who those are possibly parodying.
1: Right, yeah, you would never guess.
0: Ever guess. No. And as we said earlier, Leslie Nielsen disappears in this movie as at a certain point, they go into a diner when they're at this weird like there's the whole plot thing where like they have to go to a different town and it's actually an old movie studio slash town and there's a working restaurant there that that is later revealed to be a ghostly facade that still comes back it's weird whatever and les nielsen plays uh the female owner of the bar
1: that's the whole joke that's the thing it doesn't go any further into it like they could do something with it but the whole joke is it's clearly an old man dressed as a woman or it's supposed to be an ugly old woman. That's the joke. And that's it. It goes no further. But wait, but wait. Stan kisses him at the end. Right, and he
0: says freak in his Leslie Nielsen yeah. voice. Yeah. Which, like, obviously, like, I mentioned this at the end of our last episode when we did the whole... Um, uh, I used my veto that we have. have. We'll be talking about this later at the end of the episode. But I used my one veto I had to be like, well, you know what? At the very least... We're covering St. Helsing. We can at least cover a movie with Leslie Nielsen in it. And I can't emphasize enough how fucking sad this is <laughs> to see him in this.
1: That's yeah, what we call a backfire, baby. But maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen the other one that was up, and I'm sure it's just as
0: bad. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Black. I think, if nothing else, I would be just more offended by it, I think, because that was one that went into theaters. And it's like, And also, Marlon Wayans just pisses me off more because I know that dude is talented. One, he can be funny too. He can actually be a good dramatic actor, and that upsets me even more seeing him do these fucking things. Where just like he doesn't really give a shit. He's become his brother. He's become Keenan. Then also, it's weird how he's basically become like the bigger one, which is weird because like out of all the Wayans brothers, I would have said Damon was more of like the movie star charisma guy, and he disappeared off the face of the earth.
1: Yeah, he just said fuck it. Now his son's
0: out there doing it, and his son's actually pretty funny. His son's really great. Yeah, Damon Wayans Jr. is, I would say, my favorite Wayans. Wow, we're talking party. about the Wayans
1: brothers, about the movie we didn't choose. Almost as if Stan Helsing is that fucking terrible.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, there's not as much to say. Like, to get at least back to the Nielsen of it all, like, there are so many points where it's very clear they had Nielsen for, like, a day. And they could only shoot oh, him yeah. at certain points. Yeah. Like, bad doubles, a lot of bad instant shots of him. Saying, yeah, his oh, health God. clearly
1: wasn't great. No, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty rough, man. It's pretty rough. You know, I've always been a huge Leslie Nielsen fan uh, ever since Airplane. My wife's a huge Leslie Nielsen fan. I think anybody who's a fan of uh, spoof movies and comedies in general likes Leslie Nielsen. It's just he's always been great. I'll never forget that You know, when he passed away, you know, I saw it probably, I'm guessing, online, even though I don't probably AOL dial-up or whatever the fuck at the time. But um,
0: AOL keyword,
1: Leslie <laughs> On aim, lightsaber, six nine, six nine. Um, but I we got the new issue of people, because we had one of those like free magazine descriptions because we bought like donated uh girl scouts or something like that. It was the issue after he died, and he had half a page on the very last page about Leslie Nielsen, and I was so pissed because it's like, dude, Leslie Nielsen was he's an icon of the comedy genre, and before that he was an icon of like bad sci-fi and b-movies and stuff like
0: that or even classic like he's the star fucking forbidden planet one of the greatest sci-fi yeah, yeah, movies yeah. ever yeah. Day,
1: what day of the animals i believe he's in that too
0: uh, the beside adventure he's the fucking asshole captain who like exactly. he calls
1: everybody to die yeah so then to see something like this and you gotta wonder like did he need the money or is he just did he love the craft and i i'm hoping it's because he loved the craft Uh, But it's still a bummer.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the thing, is after what weirdly, like, I think his last serious role was in the one Barbra Streisand movie Nuts where he played, yes, like, the abusive I doctor. that's correct. Right. Like, throughout the 90s, like it's, like, it's such an astonishing, weird career thing that this guy who was, like, in his 60s became a massive star after, like, especially Naked Gun. After Naked Gun, that dude starred in, like, so many, like, theatrically released big comedies that, like, you could tell, once. like I said earlier, a lot of people didn't know how to use him that well, but there was always at least a dedication you could tell from Leslie, even in the biggest pieces of shit. And even here, I will say it's sad to see him, but it doesn't feel like... He's necessarily half asking it.
1: No, he's not funny. He's doing the best he can.
0: Right. Like, that's clear.
1: Yeah, I mean, even look at his really bad ones. Like, wow, well, what's the one? Uh, Wrongfully accused. I put a pin in that. There was the Exorcist ripoff that he did. Repossessed,
0: yes. Yeah, like, he, and, terrible
1: films, but he's committed.
0: And, and even in, I will say, it, speaking back to, like, the scary movies of it all, he's probably the biggest highlight of 3 and 4 when he pops in as the president. He's genuinely very funny in those movies, particularly with, like, the aliens reveal how they pee through the fingers, like, oh, they're just like us, and he just puts it out. <laughs> like, there's funny bits from him in those movies.
1: I mean, absolutely. One of my favorite comedy lines ever is, uh, well, I not about you, but when I see six men stab a man to death in the park, I shoot first ask questions later. It was a production of Shakespeare in the Park. They were doing (laughs) Julius Caesar. He killed a bunch of men. (laughs) Like, he's just so fucking funny. And he was game for it all. You know, that's the one thing I, you know, I guess the one good thing about talking about Stan Helsing is that we could talk about Leslie Nielsen a little bit. I put him and uh, Lloyd Bridges up there as the two of my favorite go to, like, Older man spoof actors.
0: Yeah, and it's at least heartwarming to see that, you know, even, you know, a decade or so after his death, I still do see even, like, younger people post certain things, like the gif of him from Naked Gun, where he's just like, nothing to see here, everything's fine. It's like the explosions are going on behind him in the background. And that kind of became a meme, uh, even as recently as, like, the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And I love that, the fact that, like, his style of delivery and comedy works even to, like, a modern audience. Like, there was a great video... Uh, where somebody edited him from Naked Gun into footage from that Detroit video game.
1: Yep, yep. Or if you watch him where he was doing press conferences and he's using a fart machine the whole time.
0: Oh, he loved those fart machines. You know, a lot of a lot of stories of him using the fart machines.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Stan Helsing's terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. RIP Leslie, RIP do a real one. And uh, Adam, do you have anything else to add about <laughs> Stan Helsing? Anything pressing we haven't mentioned
1: <laughs> Uh, it's, it's unfunny from beginning to end. A lot of good looking people doing shit, but after a while that even becomes, not even after a while, it's the first 10 minutes. Like, I don't care how attractive these people are. This movie is horrible. I will honestly say, uh, I'm glad it's so forgettable because if not, this would be considered to be one of the worst picks I've ever done for the show. But because it's so forgettable, I'm not even going to remember I did that. So praise Jeebus.
0: I mean, I guess one final, like, postscript to that, would you say this is, like, the worst movie we've ever seen, considering we've talked about, like, some of these other ones that are so bad?
1: No, I still think those, um, fucking, like, again, I I don't remember the names because I don't appreciate them, but, like, the disaster movies, superhero movies, I think those are the worst.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean I would say definitely like those are worse. Even I would say the fourth scary movie, I would say, is even worse. I think like I said, the ones that offend me the most are the ones that like where they put in so little effort yet got theatrical releases, like the Friedberg Seltzer ones or like that one, some of the the really bottom of the barrel ones, as opposed to uh this one is not far off by any means. It's definitely very bad bottom of the barrel. But for at least like the couple chuckles, like I said, I think I got a particularly uh Desi Lydic, who is doing as much as she can with these very, like, dumb bimbo jokes that don't really work for her whatsoever. Um, at the same time, she, I think, commits to the bit in a way that works, and even, like I said, like, you know, Keenan and the, the other actors in here, I don't think are uh, there enough for me to at least say, like, this isn't the worst one of these I've seen, but it is not very far off from the worst. I think, like, I agree with you, I think I will, having, like I said, watched this only about 12 hours ago, I will probably forget all about it by the time we are like, done recording <laughs> this entire fucking episode, even as we get to our good movie, which we might as well get to now with an actual, authentic Zucker Abram Zucker production. Top secret.
1: Looking for a video that will make you laugh out loud? Then catch Val Kilmer
0: in his undercover comedy where East meets West. guten What the hell did you say to him? And I just told him I'd put his name on the Monk on Reward mailing list. Hillary. Now that's an unusual name. It's a German name. It means she whose bosoms defy gravity. It
1: seems that you have become, how do you say, indispensable?
0: Indispensable. I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only the loser to a childhood lover who she'd last seen on
1: a deserted island and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. When the creators of Airplane and the Naked God set out to make a spy spoof, the laughs fall hard on the East
0: German High Command in Top Secret. So, Top Secret... Uh, came out June 22nd, 1984, from directors David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, and Jim Abrahams. Um, and these three, of course, were the ones who had uh, previously done Airplane, and before that they had written Kentucky Fried Movie. They were guys that did a lot of, like, sort of theatrical spoof, like an on a literal stage show in Milwaukee, uh, where they originated. And uh, then they eventually made their way over to Hollywood and were so massively successful with Airplane, and they followed that up with Top Secret which uh, I would say is one of their more um, underrated ones, I think, amongst, because, like, in between, you know, the um, Airplane and the Naked Gun movies, uh, they did this, and also Ruthless People, which, for the record, is not one of these, like, spoof movies. It's just a funny comedy crime movie. I'm curious, Adam, you've you've kind of been flaky about, like, you said you didn't like it originally that much when we first mentioned this as a Patreon poll and stuff like that. Uh, Have you warmed up to it, having revisited it now? Well, here's the thing with Top Secret, okay? I have seen
1: it in parts. I don't know that I've ever seen it straight through. It played a lot on Comedy Central and TNT and things like that. So I always saw it commercially cut and everything like that. And these type of movies, that it never works. It never works because you miss the bit. It, they're usually cut, you know, mid-bit, or if they are not, they they don't give you any chance to, like, sort of follow the thorough line
0: and they cut certain things for time. And plus it's all about the momentum in general with these movies.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was always kind of like, it's okay, you know, but so after rewatching it literally today and finished 10 minutes before we started recording, uh, I will say uh, I'm still not crazy about it, but it does hold, it is a lot better than I originally thought. There is a lot of, a lot of funny smart bits in this movie
0: yeah um i'm about to drop a bit of a hot take uh while i really enjoy airplane and the naked gun a lie, i think those are both great spoof movies. oh no this is my favorite sucker thing i love oh, it so no. much i think oh, i think top I secret quit. is just i quit well well it was fun while it was I a good it. run it was a good run bro. we'll always have paris um but <laughs> having like especially rewatched like Airplane, and all three of the Naked Gun movies in addition to rewatching Top Secret. I just think this one has such a great density of jokes that, like, fire on all fucking cylinders and are also so uniquely weird, even for the Zuckers. Like, there's certain bits here that, even as much as, like, other one of these movies that like, can get close to it, like, nothing, I think, quite as surreal and bizarre as, like, the bit where um, Val Kilmer and the female lead uh, Lucy Guthrie. Um, are going down, and they have to escape, and they're going to get on bikes. And then he's Al Valcomber shushes away some of the bikes, and they ride off like horses. Yep. Like that's insane shit. Even compared to Airplane, this is fucking insane, and all over the place. But at the same time, I think, like, honestly, there are, like, maybe two or three jokes I did not laugh at in this movie, as opposed to, like, an Airplane, there are my, I would say, a bit more that have not quite helped up as well
1: for me i mean i laughed a lot i mean i literally have a list written down of funny bits that made me laugh and it's an entire piece of paper so i mean this movie is funny Uh, i wasn't laughing the whole movie i i I wouldn't say that but i laughed enough to where this was it's a very pleasurable experience let's put it like that i think val kilmer was really fun
0: very early role for him baby
1: face young val kilmer but also just like picking out like you know oh my god it's michael go Oh, Omar Sharif. Peter fucking Cushing, one of his last movies. Yeah, you're like, holy shit. Like, it that's that's really fun. It's it's fun, dude. There's like a lot of good sight gags. There's a lot of good, like, just stupid gags, but it works so
0: well. Particularly my favorite thing about this is there are so many gags where like the joke had so much production detail to go into it like there's a bit where val kumar's on the train he's about to like go off and instead of like in a shot where it's just like oh that's him sitting there as like all the background passes by the train station is on wheels and goes past him while he stays stagnant and you see a shot of it fucking going down there's so much money went into that fucking dumb gag
1: well when they're on the hotel balcony and they look down it's a bunch of hamsters
0: there's clearly a model so many great like filmmaking jokes in this Uh movie that like like or the perspective bit when the one guy the one uh, general goes over to the phone and it's like oh it's close to us because it's near us like no it's a giant phone (laughs) he picks up
1: love it love it (laughs) there's two really good phone gags in this that is one the forced perspective phone and the other one where oh quick call you know stop them from the shooting and it's this old lady (laughs) with her fucking walker to get to the phone before they're going to execute Val Kilmer. Like, it's so (laughs) stupid, but it's so
0: funny. And I think it has a lot to do with, you kind of mentioned this earlier, the idea of, like, the Zuckers were very stringent about, like, we have to have a through line of a story that works so we can hang the jokes on them like in any scene where there's say like plot exposition going on there is some funny bit like way at the opening of the movie when one of the generals gets like a news thing about leonard bernstein (laughs) isn't gonna be able to come to the thing the second in command guy who gives him the fucking thing like he has his uh helmet on and he takes it off and the chin strap is just a part of his chin Such a weird fucking gag. And it's so funny, as you're getting plot exposition, you see this fucker with a chin strap just permanently attached to his fucking chin. Right, and that's the thing.
1: The, you get a lot of those sight gags, but you also get you know the long-form gags. Like, oh, you you have to take them to the potato farm. The potato farm. So you go to the potato farm, and it turns out it's called the potato farm because the, the guy who runs it last name is Potato. They don't run the, f- <laughs> they don't grow potatoes since his last name is Potato.
0: Right, and also he answers the door with like the very top thing They look looks at. like, okay, and then he opens the door and he's a very small man. There's no ladder.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Or just like, you know, oh my God, is he all right? Yeah, he caught a cold. He's just a little horse as a tiny horse. <laughs> but there, there's great bits. I mean, like I said, when they're walking through the leaves and they're crunching, and Velcro's like, shh, and then all noise goes out. Or my favorite bit might be deja vu. And you know, he's like, "Oh, de- uh, Matiu, I—I sure I've met you before. No, I don't think so. Okay." And then he looks back at him quizzically, <laughs> like, "Okay, this is so dumb. It's so simple, but it's, it just works great." The underwater bar fight.
0: The underwater bar fight is my favorite gag. I think because, like, once again, it's another thing where so much money went into this. So just like, oh, we could have just have them like fighting underwater, and that would be enough. But it's like, nope. There's a whole Western saloon. <laughs> Down there. There are cowboys playing poker underwater that go underneath after With a madam
1: the who's like, you know, into Val Kilmer. She's like, I'll see you later. And he does the figure guns at her. They do the whole
0: thing. <laughs> he picks up a cowboy head just like that. And dusts
1: it off. <laughs> That's
0: uh-huh. the thing is, that I think this one does such a great job with like just the density of jokes and also just the amount of money that goes into these jokes. I think just makes it all the more elaborate and funny to me, and I think, to prevent this from going full-on to just, like, this joke was funny, this joke was funny, and this joke, like, listing that off, necessarily. What do you think, I guess, maybe separates this from Airplane or the Naked Gun movies compared? Like, what what makes you think this is maybe slightly lesser, in your opinion?
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't go lesser, it's just more or less, uh, for me, it'd be nostalgia. I mean, that's the only reason. You know, I've, I've seen, I grew up with Naked Gun, and Airplane especially, and seen it so many times, can quote it, almost from front to back. This is kind of a new one for me. Doesn't make it bad. Doesn't make it better. Does it just, it's still solid, but I just have more of a fondness memory for, uh, like airplane and things like that.
0: I think you can consent. at least this is better than the naked gun sequels. I think particularly three, right?
1: Definitely three. Yeah. yeah. Two still funny. Uh, yeah. Robert Goulet classic.
0: Goulet has the best sort of eyebrows to react off of those. Yes. Comics. Like the 100%. moments where they would have people like silently be like, what? what's happening, and then move on. Like, he had the gray eyebrows for that. But this movie even has that, too, in a way that I think also works for, like, there's the bit where uh, the, Val Kilmer talks to uh, Lucy Guthrie, and he basically, like, lays out the plot. He's like, I'm not the first guy to fall in love with a girl he met at a restaurant, and it turns out she was the head of the Secret Service, blah, blah, whatever. And, he's, and then she's like, I know, it sounds like something I have a really bad movie. And the way they look sheepishly at the camera, like, I've seen other people do gags like that.
1: I agree with you. It's a gag that's been done a hundred times.
0: Right. But
1: when there's full conviction behind the gag, it works.
0: Right. Especially like the fact that her and Val Kilmer have the perfect looks like sheepishness. It's not even like, Oh, our our, our camera's looking at us. We're not winking to the camera. It's like, guys, we're sorry. Yeah. That we're in this movie. It's kind of (laughs) like they have guilt on their face. There's like emotion to it. Mm -hmm.
1: No, it's a really smart, funny movie. And it, it does really well with sort of the, you know, spy genre, cold not Cold War, but, like, post-World War II Nazi Germany. Like, everything works in this. It's super funny. It's just, this is one, I I honestly think it's crazy how under the radar this one sort of has gone, especially being the, well, I guess because Airplane was such a massive hit to where, I mean, Airplane is sort of in the cultural zeitgeist. Top Secret isn't, but I do think it deserves to be. I really do.
0: I can see why this was not nearly as commercially successful as Airplane because if nothing else, that w- came out at the right perfect time where it was parodying not just like Zero Hour, which is the movie that they were inspired by, the old 50s one, but all the 70s airport movies. Mm-hmm. And it came in at just the exact right time to like completely decimate that, like the disaster movie genre in general. It came out at the perfect time to be that kind of like massive comedy hit. As opposed to this one, it's parodying much older source material, and it's not even doing a specific parody. Really, the only specific parody, and the the one that feels like the weakest, quite frankly, to me, is the whole Blue Lagoon thing. Which is still funny, though. There's still funny gags in there, yeah. Like, the whole thing of, like, they build the house out of the hut, and it's like the shelter, has mm-hmm. got, like, a garage door opener. Or it's like mm-hmm. we explored each other's bodies, and there are like, bunches of people on top of each other, and shit like that it's
1: so dumb but the thing is that's what i want out of parody movies i want the dumbest joke but you know and even like we said in the uh, talk about the last i don't even remember what the hell the name of it is that's how much i like that movie uh (laughs) but where they go for the lowest hanging fruit well you can go for low hanging fruit but if you do it in an earnest fun way we're not just doing it because we have to make a joke here we have to fill in the quota and this one there are moments where they do that i mean The part where Omar Sharif comes in he's crushed like a car. And then she goes across to open the glove box and her breasts are on his face and the antenna rises. Like, that's low-hanging fruit, but it's still funny, A, because it's Omar Sharif. That's always great. But B, it's like, it's a payoff because you saw the car crush happen. 20 minutes before and then he walks in as this fucking thing
0: well and also there are a bunch of gags even in between like the bit where like the antenna goes up like there's a whole thing where like can you uh, it's in the glove compartment can you reach it and he goes underneath the horn hits and stuff like that yeah. it's
1: so stupid but they do it in such earnesty that it makes it funny
0: well, there's an intelligence to the dumbness, which I think is like the key to like a great spook It's you Like go. you can have dumb jokes, but if you do them in a way which just like, you thought about the internal logic of this dumb fucking bit doesn't make any sense or even if you don't think about the internal logic and you just do something very quick like one of my favorites is the bit where one of the german soldiers gets thrown over the castle walls and then you cut to a shot of him falling and then he breaks like glass like they're just very quick about even jokes like that where it's like that doesn't make any logical sense but here it is anyway let's go to another joke like that's the thing is like in every shot almost there is a joke in this movie
1: i mean to the point to where you know after my favorite bit is probably the whole reverse thing with cushing it's so dumb, but it's so funny.
0: Right, but then, but so much work went into choreographing that fucking joke.
1: And then they go upstairs and, you know, you see all their clothes and all of a sudden she's, you know, telling them this sexual story. Like, it's okay, but it turns out she's reading a book, you know, and then they go to kiss and they, and they crush the guitar between them. Like, it's
0: so fucking funny. And they start making out and there are the multiple fireplaces which is beautifully paid off when they have the whole like post-romantic discussion as they're parachuting down. Oh, the best. (laughs) And they make out and then there's a fucking fireplace with a parachute. (laughs) And I, I think it's a lot of like we mentioned this earlier about Leslie Nielsen that sort of like treating the material seriously so it makes the jokes work. That's the beauty of Kilmer's performance in this movie. I think he's done, like, other comedic stuff later on. Like, I was a kiss-kiss-bang-bang. Or even Real Genius not too long after this. They're, like, very funny performances that are very committed. But here it's even more sincere because he feels like he's just like, I believe in the internal logic of... I'm a weird Elvis-style pop star who is performing in front of all these women, but at the same time, stupid shit is happening. Like, the song he does where it's all about, like, oh, baby, please don't leave me, and he's gonna be like, I'll I'll kill myself if I'm not with you, and there are all the different methods of suicide, like the noose and the oven and the train tracks that are on the stage. Like, he believes it so sincerely that it makes even those jokes just, like, so fucking funny to see it on his very young baby face that is so committed to the bit.
1: Well, I mean, if you're going to say anything about Val Kilmer, Val is a very serious dude. So for to see him do these this type of role, even if it's an early role or not, you just know, like, oh, he's fully committed. Like, he's a fully committed actor. So, yeah, it makes it better. It makes it so much fun. You know, I think that's really, you know, you, you asked me earlier, and I think that's sort of what hits it on the head with these good spoof movies. When A, if it's a virtual unknown, or B, it's someone you know is a serious actor, just is gonna be like yeah I'll be silly and it makes it funnier
0: right that sincerity is what makes it funnier uh-huh. and al- yeah. also to like even like as funny as like some of the bits are. where like he, so many musical numbers where he's singing and dancing like to very silly songs uh-huh. he sings all those songs and yeah. him fucking doing those like Elvis style dance moves like particularly the bit where he does Tutti Fruity at uh-huh. that one uh, the big oh well, he's over dancing thing. his ass off. he's like bending his knees like he's fucking Elvis Presley and it's just like damn Austin Butler found a ditch come on this guy <laughs> another one with kilmer where it works so perfectly is the whole bit where he gets knocked out and it's just like he's in the prison keep being tortured but he's dreaming that he's like in school in the class in school it's like i didn't study for the exam i love his look where he's just like oh no i didn't study and he's flailing his arms
1: it wakes up and he's getting whipped oh thank god oh thank god -hmm. dude no okay and I don't want to turn this into it, but the thing that made me laugh... The you're is
0: turning this, into it, though. That's exactly I don't care. what you're doing. I don't
1: care. My favorite bit, it's a one one thing. Your th- where, I
0: believe your third favorite bit. Well, I don't care. <laughs> this one
1: made me laugh to where I paused it and had to have my wife come in the room. <laughs> yeah. Where he goes to escape his cell and grabs the crowbar, which is, for some reason, hanging on the bathroom sink. Opens the top vent, crawls in, and immediately falls out the bottom then. It's such a simple, stupid sight gag, but I laughed so hard for some reason. Because, like, the, it's the dumbest thing. Of course that's what's going to happen, but you'd never expect it. That's what makes a good spoof movie. Of course that's what they're going to do, but when it happens, you're like, I can't believe they did it! It's so fucking funny.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of those, like, the uh, when Deja Vu uses the hammer and you think he's going to break the window, uh-huh. it's just, like, the chamber crumbles and stuff like that. It's It's such, like, fascinating film i think that could only really come from the three of those guys together because this is the last of the spoof movies where all three of them were directing um, because after this, they had, like I said, Ruthless People was the last one where they all directed on together. And then after this, they kind of went more separate ways where, like, David Zucker took over a lot more of the spoofs. where, like, he's the only director on Naked Gun, and the other two get writing credits because they had written for the Police Squad TV show, which, if you don't know, is, like, a six-episode show that Naked Gun is based on, and all the great gags from Naked Gun come from <laughs> those fucking six episodes. Track that down if you can. Um, but, but I think you lose something when you don't have, like, the three of them together, because from what I understand, at least... Like, a big thing was that each of those guys sort of took different positions about, like, I'm not sure which one necessarily, which person was divided into this, but, like, one person was very much dedicated to the technical craft of the joke, one was dedicated to like, the actors doing it, and one was dedicated to like, even the, um, like, the different props and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think, no, I, I, I remember that. There was, there was a documentary in one of their DVDs where one was definitely more into the technical aspect, one was more into the sight gags. Right. And one was more and into the long
0: form. Well it also was like more dedicated to the actors. I think mm-hmm. it was Jerry because he would go on to do like Ghosts and a lot more like the serious lines of that ones. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, but at the same time, like I, th- I think when you had all three of those guys together, the three of them are sort of like a weird hydra of comedy that makes this work. As opposed to, they all went on to do like funny things, like even Abrams went on to do the Hot Shots movies, and those are very funny. Like I think there's a specific magic you get with the three of them together that could never really be duplicated, especially after this movie.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's accurate, for sure. For sure. But, you know, the thing is, hey...
0: Go out on a high note, right? That's true, as opposed to, like, if, if all three of them had been directing by, like, oh, we're all doing Scary Movie 4, everybody, like, oh, no, Ugh. let's not do that. No, let's not. Well, you can have Pat Proft do that and some of those other guys that came in a bit later. Um, But, yeah, I guess, are there any jokes that maybe didn't work for you necessarily, Adam?
1: You know, the thing is, the jokes that worked outshined any that didn't work. You don't, that's what makes a good a good comedy, where you don't remember the ones that don't work. You can only remember the ones that did. So, no, I, I think, you know, the, even if there is ones that didn't work, it flowed into the ones that did. I, I'd be hard-pressed to name one.
0: The, I would say just the stuff that wasn't I wasn't as big on is, weirdly, the thing that was the advertising campaign of this movie, which is the cow suit thing. Like, that was all oh, over the posters and shit. And I whatnot. thought that was kind of th- funny. There was, like, I, I think that has the least ratio of, like, funny jokes to me. I particularly just the whole thing of like oh the one guy gets raped by the bull
1: no I I get I get that I think the but why it works for me, which I think is funny, is because they're supposed to be in a cow suit, and it's clearly just stock footage of a real cow. Right, that, that's that's, that's
0: funny, was. and also the fact that the, the villain actually says, like, moo. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel, by right. the way, he says it. Right? There that's are funny right. bits in there, for sure. Yeah, I, I would just say, like, that has, if I had to pick one, it's like the, the that particular.
1: I guess if I had to pick one, one that probably doesn't hold up so well is the one guy being named Chocolate Moose.
0: True. But... There was a
1: great bit in that where Chocolate Moose shoots everybody, and they're like, oh, man, nice shot. And then out of nowhere, another African-American guy walks up and goes, my bad, and they slap hands. He's never in the movie again. You'd never see him again. But I just thought that was so fucking funny.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's. What I like, though, about him also is that there's even. Like, they give him jokes that aren't just specific to he's black. You know, like the Jive guys in the airplane.
1: Actually, I don't think any of his jokes were. Other than the fact his name is Chocolate Moose and the My Man thing.
0: Yeah, like, my favorite bit with him is the whole thing with the, um, the grappling hook, where they throw it up and it's like, oh shit! <laughs> it falls or the cannon. Yeah, he picks up the cannon and just shoots with it right yeah that's the thing is like we could keep listing jokes but it would basically just be like watching the movie again that's the trouble is like there are so many bits
1: that work here it's non-stop that's a that's it's, the one thing i will say about this movie like airplane and the, at least the first naked gun it's non-stop bit after bit after bit after bit after bit there's barely any moment where they're not doing something
0: even just basic transitions, like when they're all, like the establishing shot of the airplane that they're going to parachute out of is a U-Haul airplane, <laughs> for some reason.
1: It was the final airplane where it's got the bullseye and they're throwing darts at it. <laughs> <You're> right.
0: He's <laughs> like the very last joke, we're just like, oh, I'm going to miss you and you, and miss you too, Scarecrow. The end. <laughs> like the last millisecond of this movie is a fucking game. It's a like fucking that. stupid bit.
1: Yep, Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, I mean, Adam, before we keep listing every single joke in the movie, final thoughts on top secret.
1: I was not too high on it. I I thought it was better than average, uh, because the way I'd seen it, like I said, chopped up and kind of lose the flow. But now that I've watched it for front to back, I think it's really, really good. It's not my favorite, but it would definitely, as far as spoof movies, probably be in my top five, if not top 10. Uh, I think it's a super solid movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would say short of, like, you know, your young Frankensteins or Blazing Saddles, I would say this deserves to be in that upper echelon in a way that, like, Airplane has been for a while and, you know, deserves also a great fucking spoof movie. But at the same time, this is one that I feel is, like, so extremely underrated. It feels definitely like a movie that was not really sort of relevant at all at its time when it came out. But I do appreciate it's had a bit of a cult following, and there are people who are massive defenders of it, and I would count myself among them. I think this one is so consistent with the jokes, and there are so many funny bits that I'm just like, I laughed out loud, like, consistently throughout this movie. Even just in regular comedies, I rarely do that. Or, like, I'm literally lolling at what's going on here. Just the craft of every joke, the commitment of the filmmakers and the actors, and just the weird bizarreness of even the storyline where it is just, like we mentioned, this weird kind of like great escape homage to some degree, but it like mixes in all sorts of other like parodies and genre staples and just like really great jokes about filmmaking and the elements of that, that it is just, I think, one of the underrated massive great, not even just spoofies, just comedy movies in general. I think it deserves a lot more attention. But now, Adam, that we've uh, finished discussing our two movies, let us uh, get into The Double redu Double Redo, double, redo, double, double. redo, double. Double. redo. Double. redo. Double. double, redo, double,
1: redo, double, double,
0: double, double,
1: double, double,
0: double. Redo. double. 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 Redo. Redo. redo, redo. That works. So uh, the Double Redo is a segment we do every week uh, in which Adam and I uh, bring up a good and a bad movie related to the topic uh, in question. Uh, so we recommend one That we'd say, hey, make sure to watch this one and say about another one, uh, don't bother with it, stay far away. Very bad. So, uh, Adam, you're going first. What are your recommendations for the double or do for spoof movies?
1: I'll get through this quickly. Uh, I'll do my bad first. It's Scary Movie Five. It's not Anna Ferris, it's uh, Ashley Tisdale, who you know, Disney star or whatever, which is fine, great. But then it's got really sh- lazy cameos with Charlie Sheen, Lindsay Lohan, Mike Tyson. All that, and it, it literally becomes uh, one of those movies that I referenced earlier that I hate. Just remember this from a scary movie. Remember this from a horror movie. Remember this. Remember this. And it's a nonstop, and it's not funny. It feels lazy. It looks bad. If if you're using the film Mama for basically your whole shtick to begin with, you got problems. Not to say Mama's a terrible movie. Mama is not a movie to fucking bridge a spoof off of. Uh, it's just, it, it doesn't work. Uh, it's The scary movies died, I would say, in part three. There are some people who like part four. I, I don't get it. But uh, it just, oof, really bad. Uh, and then for my good, I have what I think is one of my favorite spoof movies ever, and one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, and especially because it was a blind watch for me. I didn't know what it was. I bought it on at Blockbuster used for like $4 and my wife and I watched it and we laughed so hard right off the bat is Black Dynamite with Michael Jai White. It's so fucking funny. Uh, the physical comedy, the lines, the way they purposely make it look like a shitty movie with the boom mic dropping in, the bad cuts and the different actors and everything. It's one of the funniest and most quotable movies that have come out in so long. I, I think it's perfect. I think Black Dynamite is a perfect film. I can't sing its praises enough. I, I just, I've shown it to everyone that I can, and everybody I've shown it to has loved it. So fucking funny. It's perfect.
0: Um, Yeah, I've seen both of these. I actually watched Scary Movie 5 as part of, um, I when I, I rewatched all of the scary movies last year during uh, pre-vaccine COVID, because I'm like, with a bunch of friends online who were just like, I don't know, what, what do we do? How about we do this? And, um, I would say five, I had not seen until that particular watch. I'd seen the other four and I would say five is definitely incredibly bad. I would say four is maybe slightly worse, but five, um, is still emblematic of like a lot of the problems where it's not even just horror movies. They're parodying. Like there's a whole extended, like subplot about rise of the planet of the apes, which is just like it's not a horror movie. Why are we fucking parroting this in the middle of our horror movie spoof thing? And even like Ted shows up from like the fucking teddy bear Ted movies and shit like that. Like why are we? Why are we doing this? this is dumb. Um, and it's really sad. Also that it's directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who is not an unfunny uh, comedy director. He also did Undercover Brother um, and Girls Trip. He and he's cousin of Spike Lee. He's not untalented as a comedy director in particular. But it's also written by David Zucker and Pat Proft. Like, they were the guys who took over the Scare Movie franchise after uh, the Wayans brothers. And despite, I think, three has a fair amount of funny bits in it, that's when they took over, um, four and five are still in the of, like, the worst of those spoof movies. And it's also weird where, like, Scare Movie 5 came out in 2013. Scare Movie 4 came out in 2006. Like, why? Who's asking for this? Who? (laughs) Who the fuck was? It's such a dumb fucking thing that I'm so surprised exists. Uh, and then, yeah, Black Dynamite, I love. Um, Black Dynamite, if anything, like the only problem I have with Black Dynamite is having seen the Rudy Ray Moore movies that they're parodying. It's like, oh, you took just certain bits for that. Who was the one character that is literally just the Rudy Ray Moore? Right, who just quotes the Rudy Ray gags. Yeah, it's a bullhorn. Yeah, 100%. Despite that, there's still, like, so many funny, like, even just, once again, great filmmaking bits, like, where Michael J. White's de- delivering this, like, serious speech, and, like, the boom mic comes down and, like, slaps him in the face and shit like that. Uh, and it, a great commitment. Like, Jai White, who is, like, such a great action star, the fact that he, like, once again treats this so seriously makes it all the funnier when all these dumb jokes are going fucking fights the ghost of Richard Nixon during the ending and shit like that. So funny. It makes that stuff work so wonderfully. And then for mine, um, I'll go ahead and um, I'll say my bad first and quickly as well, just because we kind of talked about most of the points bad. I have wrongfully accused, which was directed and written by Pat Prof. It's his only directorial effort. Uh, shockingly, Uh, and he's the guy who, like, he wrote with the Zuckers, particularly, like, the Naked Gun movies, he has a co-writing credit, because he basically helped David Zucker string along all the jokes that they had done in this show previously. Um, And this was his, like, only directorial effort, and it's very much a fugitive parody, which, um, you know, it's not an unfair one to parody, and I think there are funny bits in this with like leslie nielsen playing the harrison ford character and richard Crenna in his last movie role sadly um following him around as the tommy lee jones there are a couple of funny gags there's one all-timer gag i will say which is a visual bit where after the whole like they do the train escape thing from the fugitive and they have leslie nielsen like getting off the train and trying to run away but the train is chasing him and there's a bit where he hides behind a tree and he looks behind him, and then the train actually leans over <laughs> and sees Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> That's a hilarious fucking visual gag. It's the best gag in the movie. But one gag in the middle of, like, an 85-minute movie, even, um, is not enough to save it, uh, unfortunately. Not the worst of those, like a Spy Hard or some of the other, like, later Leslie Nielsen movies. There are worse ones. But uh, it's not a prime example, either. Just really watch that one train clip on YouTube. It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's about I would recommend with that one. And then my good... Is I would say you kind of reference this at the beginning of the show about like oh what's the last big theatrical spoof movie you can think of that wasn't one of the Friedberg Seltzer movies and for me it would be one that I'm glad has gotten a lot of cult appreciation. It's Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story, which is a parody of biopics starring John C. Riley. And um, it was produced by Judd Apatow. And I think of the various Apatow movies that were very popular around this time in 2007 when this came out, uh, this is the one that holds up the best for me, I think, because it is as zany and silly as so many of the Zucker movies. And I think it's another one where there is a joke pretty much every fucking second. And most of them hit beautifully. Mainly because Riley, who has done comedies, like even... This is around the time he's in Talladega Nights and Step Brothers. This performance is so much more committed in the way that like you can tell he's pulling on his dramatic chops to parody like a lot of these like musician biopic movies and just really committing to stuff like the bit where he's talking to Kristen Wiig about like oh I'm leaving and I'm taking the children and the monkey whoa you can take my children, but don't you dare take my monkey. <laughs> like bullshit like that. He's so committed to the bit beautifully and the way that like everyone else is that pops up and it's like, Jenna Fisher's also here and she's wonderful as his second wife. Uh, Kristen Wiig, as I mentioned, is his first wife and this is very funny. Um, Tim Meadows, obviously with the whole like, um, <laughs> you don't want no part of this shit <laughs> bit um, is tremendous. So many great people pop up and I think it's genuinely uh, one of the great spoof movies uh, from um, Jake Kasdan Son of Lawrence Caston who now has been successful with the Jumanji movies, happy for his success, but this is his masterpiece. I think it's like I mentioned before, with like uh, Top Secret being an underappreciated like part of the upper echelon of just like spoofs and comedy movies in general. I would argue Walk Hard also deserves a seat at that table.
1: Well, I've seen both these. Bradley Hughes, I completely agree. I love that train bit. It's fucking classic. It's so stupid. It's so stupid, and it looks dumb. Like it looks dumb, but it works because it's just it's great. Uh, Leslie Nielsen always had one of the best, like, oh, surprise faces of all time, and that's a great bit. Walk Hard, yeah, I, I I do like Walk Hard. I don't, I'm not as positive on it as you are. I think there's some bits in it for me that just don't work. But you also did say that not every bit works. Uh, but I, I I would agree that you know most do. Riley is fucking gold in that movie. One of my favorite line deliveries ever is John C. Riley and Walk Hard going I'll punch you with a mouth <laughs> it's so it's so fucking funny uh, but yeah I, I really like Walk Hard I, Walk Hard was one of those where when I first saw it I wasn't sure how I felt but then it's one of those on repeated rewatches you get more jokes you catch more jokes you catch more you catch more and it just gets funnier every time uh, so yeah I think Walk Hard is a very criminally underrated movie
0: also, just a big thing. The songs are all great, regardless of the funniness or not. They're just genuinely really good songs. They're really good songs. Absolutely. Yeah. Helps with the bit, for sure, that you commit that much to it. But let's go ahead and repeat our titles to everybody out there. Adam? For my bad, <laughs> I
1: switched up. For my bad, I had Scary Movie 5. And for my good, I had Black Dynamite.
0: And uh, for my bad... I had wrongfully accused, and for my good, I had Walk Hart, the Dewey Cox story. (laughs) Also twisted it up. Aw man, we're just really changing everything. We're completely screwing over the formula. This is our spoof of podcasts in general.
1: Spoofing our show, spoof. Hey, we're funny. Hey, give us money. (laughs) Like and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Subscribe to my Patreon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you do. Have you heard about Raid Shadow Legends?
0: For the record, there should be a spoof podcast that is 100% all this. It's it's a mine.
1: We could do that. Actually, anybody who's listening to this, don't fucking steal this idea. We'll sue
0: you. A a copyright TM, don't steal But yeah, let's go ahead and start getting into the end of the show here, where we'll be doing our picking at the very end for our next episode, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we also want to thank some people before we get down to here, like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used for our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Uh, thanks to Christian Thor for our artwork. Uh, follow him at Night of Water, that's Night with a K, underscore of, underscore water, uh, on various socials uh, for all his stuff. We also want to thank, of course, our Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash DEDBpod, where for just $1 a month you become an Edgelord patron and get access to, uh, you know, polls where you get to pick certain movies we cover, like Top Secret. You all picked that. Thank you, patrons. And you also get to listen to bonus podcast stuff, like uh, we recently would have put out a couple of... uh, on the Edge of Relevances, where we talk about recent movies that hit either theaters or streaming, uh, which we did, uh, too, about Nope and Barbarian.
1: Yeah, and they're pretty cool.
0: Yep, and you can uh, listen to those for just a $1. Or or
1: $10, or $30, or 100 or a, a fucking billion if you want. Come on,
0: Bezos. <laughs> Come on, Musk, you're already destroying Twitter. <laughs> just, send over some of that money to us. <laughs> and no we will not pay eight dollars to be verified asshole no not at all no for sure uh which by the way we should mention uh, find us on twitter while it's still around that's true i will say yeah while it still exists uh we'll be on twitter until it eventually uh gets burned up in a musk meme or some bullshit that he does uh we'll be on twitter um at dedbpod pod and also on facebook and also you can submit feedback to us either there or at our uh email uh double edgedoublebill at gmail.com All spelled out and uh, for more of me, uh, you can find me on various socials like Letterboxd or Twitter. Like I said, while it still exists, yeah, uh, yeah. at NotTheWho'sTommy, and also do some writing at uh, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com and at Film-Cred.com.
1: And you can find me on Instagram at Atom or Adam. That's A-T-O-M underscore O-R underscore A-D-A-M. You can find me on Letterboxd at Schwanson. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-D-T-S-O-N. And uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, you got out of Twitter while well, it was a good idea, too. Oh, I got out
1: a while ago. What Almost fucking eight months now. Nine months.
0: Yeah, but at that time, it's just like, Oh, Adam, nothing bad's gonna happen on Twitter. Everything's gonna be fine.
1: Yeah, fuck Twitter.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's current state, especially like, fuck that shit. For sure. Kind of fuck it forever. Yeah. I mean, like, look, i I'm, I'll be on there until the ship officially sinks, I guess. Yeah. I'll be there watching as like as the the band plays on. Yeah, I was say you're going down. It's...
1: You're that old ass captain of Titanic.
0: <laughs> yeah, the captain goes down with the ship even though the actual captain will probably be like, "See you later. I <laughs> my Tesla boat. that doesn't work. It'll blow up." <laughs> if
1: this boat was electrical, when it wouldn't have sank. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, for more of us, uh for our actual audio uh, content you can follow us on apple Podcasts, stitcher and other podcasting platforms if you're listening on talk film society why well, listen to all the other great shows here on talk film society and you can uh, also dig into our archives and our pod main feed for like almost 200 episodes before we joined tfs and uh yep yeah there's a lot uh but if nothing else if you can't you know help us out with the patreon that's cool Money can be tight. The free way to help us out, though, is to rate, review, or share the show around because it gets us more visibility.
1: Even if you don't want to do that, just tell somebody at your fucking, like, uh, country club meetup or whatever you guys are doing. I don't know. Your bridge games. (laughs) Tell them there. Your sewing circles.
0: I'm listening to the flyingest podcast uh, (laughs) featuring two commoners. It's so funny hearing them talk about these things. Elon, you should listen to the latest episode. (laughs) Hey, Bursa! Hey, Midge! You heard this? Oh, that's my demographic.
1: I'm going for senile old people,
0: you know, a long lasting one that will be around for minutes to be. Yeah, old old right, as I said. <laughs> but now Adam, it's time we did our picking for next week, which we do at the end of every episode in which uh, Adam ah. and I have two picks uh, that are, you know, either one of us has two good picks. One of us is two bad. Uh, we switch up on the quality for that. And uh, we assign each of those a number between 1 and 10. And, uh, you know, we assign them numbers, and thus the other person usually picks, like, oh, you know, I'm going to pick number 6. And the person who has the picks like, okay, that's closest to number 8, which has this particular movie at there. Uh, but keep in mind, there is a certain rule we have called the Godfather Rule, uh, where um, we were given vetoes uh, previously uh, last May Uh, during our uh, anniversary show, uh, that we only had uh, one opportunity to use a veto, or if we hear one of those choices, we're like, actually, I don't want to cover that one, um, so I'm going to say, actually, I'll take the cannoli, and thus, uh, you know, we get the other pick. And I did that last week, uh, so my veto is gone, uh, because I ended up using it on Fifty Shades of Black, and we ended up covering Stan Helsing, which, you know. Yeah,
1: well, but last year... I used it on Cinderella, and we got that fucking movie we got, so.
0: Yeah, Me, You, Madness, of course, yes. Yeah, percent. so
1: still no wins.
0: But at least, like, that was a better movie to discuss, That's
1: I would say, Me, Madness. Insane. That's the most insane thing I've ever seen.
0: It's pretty insane, yeah. And Stan Helsing at least had us the opportunity to talk about Lucy Nielsen. So we'll have that, yeah. as opposed All to right. Marlon well, Wayne's doing a Fifty Shades of Grey parody.
1: So there you go. Enjoy it. Stop yes. stop bitch stop bitching about it, man. It's
0: no, I'm just really just saying to myself like, No, I didn't waste it. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't waste <laughs> it's it. It's fine. It's fine.
1: But, but, holding your knees but, shaking in a room. <laughs> no
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well Adam, you still have an opportunity to not waste yours. And we'll see if you might potentially do for my two bad picks. Uh, for this, uh, and you have the two good picks for I our do. next topic, which uh, in honor of Black Panther Wakanda Forever is coming out, but we're not doing a Marvel one, uh, we are doing a return, once again as part of November, we're visiting these topics uh, to Troubled Productions which, you know if you're at all aware of the production history of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, you Pretty know that's through a
1: lot of shit, yeah, a lot yeah. of trouble which previously we had Fifty Shades of Grey, whoop and then we had the yep. evil within which was oh
0: yeah very oh, fascinating yes uh, very but curious. i'm very curious adam for your two good picks which i can't veto at all whatever this choice is going to be i'm going to go ahead and pick number eight
1: 50 shades darker oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> okay so at number 10 I have uh, a movie that I know you love, I know I love, I know most people love, but has a very interesting uh, production history. I have the original Back to the Future.
0: Oh, wow. That obscure little movie that no one's ever heard of? Yeah, nobody's ever heard of it. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so surprised you picked a very obscure choice. Uh, Fuck yeah. Sure. There's a very long production history behind the movie that we'll definitely detail uh, as we talk about it next week. And I'm, you know, very happy. Hot take. I think Back to the Future is a great movie. Oh, it's I'll pretty great. Not a lot of people yeah, agree, but pretty great. But <laughs> I'm a rebel and a renegade yeah. saying things wow. like
1: this. Do you like Jurassic Park 2? High five.
0: Not um, Jurassic Park 2. No no no, yes. no, no, no. I meant
1: T O O. At number one, I had uh, one of my favorite sci fi movies ever, which also has an incredibly insane sort of production is Blade
0: Runner that's true does have a very interesting production history it was gonna be Dustin Hoffman that's true yes there's a lot of interesting things with that but I'm glad we're covering the better movie I would say oh fuck you (laughs) hot take I prefer one of your favorite movies over your other favorite movies
1: (laughs) Back to the Future is not one of my favorite movies I like the movie you're a dick I quit again (laughs) again
0: (laughs) well now Adam Let's see if you'll quit about this one. Uh, For my two bad choices, please pick number Uh one and ten.
1: Uh, Okay, well, I'll go number two.
0: Okay. Number one, I have uh, for an actor with a lot of um, sort of awful, awful movies around uh, this turn the millennium era. I have Eddie Murphy in The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Now, Adam, you have that veto. You could use it if you want to. Nope, I'm not using nope. it. Nope. Okay.
1: Well, oh, fuck. I probably should have. Too late. Anyways, go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, well, let's. You, you can argue that. Uh, as as I mentioned, uh, my other choice, uh, number nine, was uh, sadly another one that features Val Kilmer, but in uh, less um, great shape, to say the least. I have uh, the Tomas Alfredson disaster, The Snowman.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I'm good To Pluto Nash, Ash. There's nothing to say about the snowman.
0: I mean, I would argue there's a lot in terms of it's not a complete movie. <laughs> it is not complete at all. It's just like this was released in theaters with just like if you were to grade that movie, it's like a see me after class redo assignment.
1: <laughs> you came out guns blazing on this one, you motherfucker. I did. I all did. right, wait, wait till the next. Wait till the next bad fix. I got your ass. Actually, it oh. doesn't matter.
0: You're fucked. You have no veto. Right. That's right, I don't have a video, that's right, yeah, you could have oh, used yours, you but you are, didn't.
1: I didn't, and I think I actually yeah. fared better. You are in
0: trouble. <laughs> that's fine, you also have to watch the movie, that's cool. I'll
1: make Heather watch it and report to me. <laughs> Baby, I never asked you to do anything for me. Will you watch The Adventures of Pluto Nash and tell me about it?
0: And also uh, every other bad pick we have from now on.
1: <laughs> I love you, I want to make you feel beautiful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well on that note everybody um i'll just end this with uh one of the best jokes and top secret that's in the credits this space is for rent
1: and i end this with i didn't watch the credits
0: it's pretty good There's a lot of fun gags on the credits oh, yeah i don't care